We're going to start a series for about five messages entitled Selfless. And I believe in today's society there is never a better message with a culture that is obsessed with the term selfie. You ever heard what a selfie is? A selfie is when someone takes their camera and takes a picture of themselves. Hence the term selfie. We have become consumed with our own image and what we put on social media or what people think about us. As a response to that, even in my own life, it's not about what others think about us, but about what God thinks about us and what we do for Him. And so with that said, how do you smell like Jesus? What does Jesus smell like? Well, we're going to look in this passage today and see how we can smell like Jesus. The sense of smell, it makes an undeniable, unmistakable impact in our lives. And I am so glad that God gave us the sense of smell. I mean, really, think about it. He gave us five senses to be able to perceive the world, not only in what we hear, not only in what we see, but in what we smell. And smell allows us to tell the difference between a good item of food and a bad item of food. It can tell us when there might be danger. For example, when we smell smoke. I can remember many a times going outside and there's not a drop in the sky, but all of a sudden you smell the rain. And you know that it's coming. Well, smell can attract us to objects and people. And the sense of smell for our brains, it acts like a librarian. Because the sense of smell catalogs all of our memories into where when we smell different things, we can remember different memories. Just like when we hear music that we call classic music that we used to listen to when we were younger, it takes us back to a younger day. And the same thing with the sense of smell. There is no doubt that our memories and the happenings in our life are tied to the sense of smell. And like for myself, some popular smells would be the smell of exclamation. Do you know what exclamation is? It is a perfume that when Donna and I were dating, she wore it, and I mean, it smelled good. And every now and then she'll put some on, and I'll think, all right, we're going to have a, a good day today. But, I, you know, every, you probably remember your husband's smell, or your father's smell, or your mother's smell, or, or going to your, your grandmother's house. I remember my grandmother Strickland lived in Buchanan, Virginia, or actually outside of Roanoke, and there were, she had these certain shrubs, and I don't know what they were, but I just know they had a specific smell. And then when I will do home visits with some of you folks, and I'll go out places, and I'll walk into a yard, I smell those shrubberies, and I think, there's my grandmother Strickland. Because I remember that smell so fondly. Or maybe the, the smell of fresh, salt air at the beach. You know, after you've driven for five, ten hours and you get out, and the first thing you like to do is, and just breathe it in. And it just, it, it could be the same air, but in your mind, it's different. And I know that when I go to the coast, the air smells different than it does here. Or how about a baby? I don't know. I wish you could bottle that baby smell, but 
Babies just smell so cute, don't they? Or puppy breath. Oh, it's so cute. Until they get older. How about even when I walk into this church, when I walk into the sanctuary, in my mind, I don't know about you, but in this sanctuary it has a definite smell to it. That, that you know, some of you have been smelling that for years. And when I smell that, to me, it is we are in a holy place. And I am ready for worship. Or another favorite is the smell of bacon cooking on a Saturday morning. I'm lucky enough to have a wife that our tradition a lot of times is to, she will make breakfast on Saturday mornings and, and I wake up to bacon and it's, there's no better way to wake up, amen. But, well, I guess the better thing is if you just wake up, period. But, and then potpourri and candles. Man, that stuff smells good. How about, for me, diesel exhaust smells good. You're like, preacher, what's wrong with you? But, but for me, when I was young, my dad worked for McLean Trucking Company, and when he would go pick up his check, he would let me go with him, and we would drive into the truck yard, and he would let me climb up into these big rigs, and I would smell that exhaust. And so I attributed that smell of that exhaust to my father taking me to that depot. And then when I got older and I became a firefighter, I would, can't tell you the number of times I would just have to sit there and smell that exhaust. But now, a- after... Years of all that being passed, I treasure that. When, when I smell diesel fumes, I think about those days. Let me ask you something. Do you have a favorite smell? I mean, think about it. I mean, all of us, I mean, you don't, we're not going to have public confession of smells, but all of us have certain aromas. All of us have certain things that have been categorized in our brain as something very pleasant. Maybe it's a family tradition. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's a person, place, or thing. Maybe it's just something bad. I don't know. But, you know, you have popular smells, but you also have unpopular smells. Wet dog would be one of them. Or, uh, I like this one when you're, when you're kind of uh, just hanging out with people, and all of a sudden you just kind of do this, and you, you smell something generating from this region right here, and you think, you know, of... Remember that soap 2000 for all your 2000 body parts? And you remember, well, it forgot one. You know? <laughs> and, and so, you know, then you become self-conscious because there's no, there's no hiding that because you realize it's time to, to take care of that. And even worse is when someone that you, you like or someone that you know has that same problem and they act like they don't know it. And so you're like, yep, how you doing? I'm fine. Face is turning blue. And you don't want to be mean about it, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely something that is, uh, I guess you could say, a struggle at times. And then also dead things. I remember, you know, if you've ever been in a house, the house that we lived in when we first went to Wilmington for a few months, it had, it had some rats. It was a problem. And one of them died in the wall. Oh! And you tell them, hey, there's a, there's a rat in the wall. We need to get it. They're like, no. We'd have to tear up the wall to get it. You just gotta let it decompose. I'm like, ugh. And that, you'd walk in and it would smell. Have y'all ever had that in your house? It's awful. Or anytime you pass by something on the road that's roadkill. I mean, I'm not trying to gross y'all out, but it's 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 repulsive. It's awful. Spoiled milk. Spoiled milk tastes awful. Let me ask you something. Have you ever drank some spoiled milk and you go, oh my goodness, this is awful? And you immediately give it to someone else. And what do they do? 
smell it. Oh, this is awful. Taste this. And you just pass on it. It's like everybody wants to smell that and agree with that. But, but those smells are just awful. Well, before I gross everybody out too much, I believe you get the picture that smells represent memories, peoples, and things and conditions in our lives. So what I want you to do is we look in John chapter 12 today. I want to, to put you in the room with them. I want to place you in this passage. This is not something we read as a story. This is something that we live as another Passover festival has approached. And Jesus returned to Bethany, the home of his friends, Mary, who anointed the feet of Jesus, which is an act that Jesus said pointed to his upcoming burial. Because understand, this is the beginning of the end for Jesus. This is his last in-home visit before he gets to the cross. And Jesus' presence at the house attracted a crowd. Anywhere Jesus went, he would attract a crowd. But now he's living off the hype of the story has gotten out that he resurrected a man from the dead. And here he goes to that man in his sister's house. And so those people that were following Jesus, there were many of them who were just curious. There were others who were hurting that wanted Jesus to do miracles in their life. And then there were also some that hated him. Because, folks, let me tell you something. If you have people that follow you, you're going to have people that are curious about your faith. You're going to have people that hate what you do if you stand for Christ. Jesus knew that. He had those kind of followers. So on a Friday evening, Jesus enters the home of his friends, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And this had to be kind of a bittersweet moment for them because just a while ago, Mary and Martha were so mad at Jesus, they could have spit nails because they told him that her, his brother was dying, or her brother was dying, and Jesus took his own time to get there. And by the time Jesus got there, then he was already dead. So they weren't past that because, of course, we know Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. But as I said a moment ago, this would be his last in-home visit before the day of his execution. And this meal represents the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because Mary and Martha, they thought this dinner would never happen again. Do you think as they looked at their brother's grave, they ever thought that they would be eating with Jesus and their brother again on this side of heaven. Folks, your life may seem hopeless. You may look and see things in your life that you think it's not going to get any better, but never count Jesus out. Never deny the fact that He can do a miracle in your life. This meal represents hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus performed the miracle of resurrecting their brother Lazarus after death. And talk about smell. The stench of Lazarus' death was present when Jesus went to go heal him. It says in John 11.39, it says, When Jesus was asking Lazarus to come forth, before he said that, he said, Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, who was the practical sister... But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. What did she just say? Don't, I believe the King James says, and behold, he stinketh. That is an understatement. 
still, the, the, just if you would allow me just for a minute, the stench of death is awful. And I want you to understand that represents our sins. That represents who we are before Jesus Christ. Like Lazarus, we are dead in our sins, and those sins in our life, they have the stench of death. Because sin leads to death. And so, if we were to remember that smell and know that smell, we see that to them all hope was lost. But yet, the same stench of death and decay represents our lives before making Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Our bodies are dying. And sin will kill us physically, mentally, and spiritually. Folks, without Jesus Christ, our last breath on earth will have meant an eternal future in hell, which the Bible says is a place of eternal fire. So you will smell fire that will not go out, and you will smell sulfur. Sulfur is a terrible smelling gas. That stench you will smell for your entire lives if it were not for Jesus Christ and what He did for us on the cross. But thanks and praise be to God and His Son, Jesus Christ, for demonstrating their power over death, their love for us, and willingness to do whatever it takes to save us from the stench of death. Take a seat, if you would, this morning. Take a seat beside Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' table. Their guests were in there reclining on couches, and when they would recline, their bodies would be extended away from the table, away from the couch, to where their feet would be exposed. So, so Mary had direct access to the feet of Jesus and those guests. And when they would come into the house, they would have, remember they didn't have cars, and so they would have to walk, and so they had their sandals, and their sandals, that was all they had to walk in, and, and they would have dusty roads, and their legs would sweat, and their, their legs would have caked mud from sweat and nastiness all over their feet. And so what would a good servant do? Wash the feet. So here they are. They are in this home. Jesus' feet has been washed already because any good guest would do that. And this showed that Mary loved Jesus. She served Jesus. And she had easy access to Him. So, having Jesus in her house, the man that saved her brother, what on earth could she give to Jesus that would be a gift that could adequately repay what Jesus had so richly done for her and her family. Let me ask you something. For what God has done in your life, for, for saving you and, and keeping you from hell and giving you eternal life through His Son, Jesus Christ, how do you repay that? How do you give a gift? Is there anything at Walmart.com or Amazon.com that can fully repay Jesus Christ for what He has done in your life? No. But, Mary was led by God. And what would Mary do what Mary would do as an act of appreciation to Jesus for saving her brother Lazarus? She would wash his feet and anoint him. Well, let's go into the passage. We see 
The first part is that an aromatic, selfless Christian withholds nothing from Jesus. If you want to smell like Jesus, you will withhold nothing from Him. Let's read chapter 12, verses 1-3. through It says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus was the one Jesus had raised from the dead. So they gave a dinner for him there. Martha was serving them, and Lazarus was one of those reclining at the table with him, which is a miracle in itself. Verse 3 says, Then Mary took a pound, a pound of fragrant oil, pure and expensive nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped his feet with her hair. So the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. I don't know about you, but I doubt people be running out to the store to buy a, a cologne or a perfume called Nard. But you know what? No matter what the name is, in that culture and in that instance, it was precious. And as we read here, we see that why do you think Mary ha- even had that expensive oil that, that cost a year's salary? Why in the world would she have a pound of fragrant oil called nard? You want to know why? She was saving it for her funeral. That was her last, last thing. Her preparation for her funeral was back then they would preserve bodies with oils and fragrances. This was her, her funeral preparation. It was what she held on to until her last moment. If she was going to give anything to Jesus Christ, it was what she had paid a year's wages for to use in her last days. That was the most precious thing for her. But yet, she sees an opportunity because Mary's nard, which was contained in a beautiful alabaster box, it came from India, high up in the Himalayan mountains, and was made primarily from pistachio nuts. And a pound of it measured to be about 12 ounces. It was used by Romans to anoint the heads. And it was also used by morticians to prepare bodies. Folks, today your pound of yard, or your pound of nard, your perfume, you may not have funeral perfume in your house, but you do have things that you have saved. You've got nest eggs, you've got hope chests, you've got all of these memories, it could be a financial nest egg. It could be an investment, a family heirloom or an inheritance or future plans, whatever it may be. If there is anything in your life that you have set aside to say, Jesus, you can have everything except that, then that is what Jesus wants from you. Being selfless requires devotion and adoration for Jesus, not for ourselves. Folks, when you read this passage, what did Mary hold back? Nothing. Why in the world did she anoint his feet? Well, attending the feet of a guest was an act of service, of honor, and devotion. And what's the deal with the hair? Why did she use the hair? Well, number one, she might not have had a towel. But it goes more deeper than that. In that culture, and still even today, over in the Middle East, women do not expose their faces. They certainly don't expose their hair. 
And it was very rare for a woman to let her hair down in public, let alone wipe a man's feet with it. I want you to see, if you can, just for a moment, the level of sacrifice, the level of honor, her willingness to do anything and everything she could to anoint Jesus Christ and to show them that He was special. Whatever it took, she was going to do that. And as we look at this, we can see three essentials that churches in our homes must have when it comes to worshiping Jesus and when it comes to being selfless Christians. Number one, like Lazarus, we need to have new life in Christ. Folks, you cannot pass go. You cannot collect $200. You cannot cheat the system. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son does not have life. We need to have new life. And like Mary, we need to worship and adore Jesus Christ. And like Martha, we have to serve Him. Well, we see now that the smell of Jesus in this passage was that fragrant nard. And now we see the stench of a self-serving heart comes from impure motives. As beautiful as that passage was, as, as heartwarming as it is to see Mary give all for Jesus, then we come to Judas. Verses 4 through 6. He says, Then one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was about to betray him, said, Why wasn't this fragrant oil sold for 300 denarii? And given to the poor. He didn't say this because he cared about the poor. But because he was a thief. He was in charge of the money bag. And would steal part of whatever was put into it. In this moment. When Mary has given her best to Jesus Christ. Where is Judas's mind? On the money of it. He totally loses the purpose and the blessing of this. No verse in Scripture gives any indication that Jesus placed, excuse me, not Jesus, but Judas placed his faith in Jesus Christ. He was a follower of Jesus Christ. He was a disciple, but in nowhere does it say that he was a Christian. And to be here and to see this beautiful gift that Mary gave him, and for Judas to be all about the money, this reveals his True motives. As the treasurer for the disciples, he handled all the money for Jesus Incorporated. And the reason he was upset is because with this fragrant oil, he couldn't skim him any off the top of it. He couldn't get his cut. Because he, that's what he would do. The money would come in, he would take his cut and give the rest to the ministry Jesus had. And Jesus knew that he was doing that. Jesus knew he was going to betray him but yet he never said anything to him about it. Judas saw a monetary value of the nard being a year's salary that was used to anoint Jesus while losing the spiritual significant. Folks, what does that say to you and I? It says this, number one, that when money becomes the focus of church, you will lose the meaning of true worship. When money becomes the focus, when a, and I have seen it in other churches, when Money becomes a focus. How much we have or how much we don't have. How much we need. I mean, those are real needs, but when it becomes our one main driving focus, we lose worship because we are worshiping 
the wrong thing. The Bible calls that the love of money. Churches suffer from that. Christians suffer from that. And when money is given to the church, understand that when you put money into the plate or you give money to the church, we are held accountable by God for how we handle that money. That if we say it's going into this this fund, it goes into that fund. If we say it's used for this purpose, it is used for that purpose. We will have our books audited and we will have everything above board, but beyond that, God knows what we do with His money. And God knows what you do with your money as well. And when you tithe, you are showing Jesus that money is not your God, but a blessing from Him to do His will. You say, oh, preacher, here you go. Why you got to come to tithing? And we're talking about Jesus and feet and oil. Folks, if money is a sore topic for you, maybe it's revealing your motives behind it. We give because God blesses us. Tithing is an act of worship. and We give freely. Jesus, Judas was not concerned for the poor. He was upset that the value of the nard was not something he could get a cut from. Folks, Christians are filled this morning with people, and churches are filled with people who God has made them curious. And what benefit can they receive from being a follower? In other words, someone, somewhere, sometime in some church is going to church for the wrong reasons. When I was a teenager, I went to church to be closer to God, right? Nope. Find a girlfriend. It was awful. While I first go to church, they had cute girls there. Sorry, Don. They had cute girls there. And then I realized that they didn't want anything to do with me. But I fell in love with Jesus, thank God. And my life was never the same. I attended church for the wrong reasons, but yet God still worked in my life. And I want to tell you that God knows your motives. God knows why you're here. And God knows why others are not here. God knows why you tithe. And for some of you, God knows why you don't tithe. He knows our hearts. He knows why we're here. The point is that there is no hiding when it comes to God. The validity of our motives for pursuing Jesus will always be revealed. Jesus knew that Judas was a thief. He knew that he was cooking the books and that he would betray him. But Jesus gave Judas every opportunity to repent. But he never did. Gave him every chance. He gave him a way out. But Judas was too stuck in his ways to see that. Do not be fooled, folks. Jesus knows every sin you have committed and will commit. It is the very weight of that sin that drove him to the cross. That very weight of knowing that you've messed up, of knowing that you are sinful, of knowing that you have no hope of heaven unless... He dies on the cross. And at some point, I wish that that we could truly feel the weight of our sins. Because when we feel that weight, we know that that is the very weight that Jesus took off of us. Jesus knows the value of every dollar we make, every dollar we spend, and the motive behind how it is spent. 
Folks, own the things you buy. Don't let the things you buy own you. Judas's motives betrayed him and the Savior he claimed to follow. Folks, if your motives for following God are not pure and sacrificial like that of Mary's oil, then you stink as a Christian. You do not smell like Jesus Christ. Finally, we see that the selfless smell like Jesus. The selfless smell like Jesus. Verses 7 and 8. Jesus answered, Leave her alone. She has kept it for the day of my burial. For you always have the poor with you, but you do not always have me. Big alert goes off here. I want to make it perfectly clear. Jesus is not showing that he doesn't care for the poor. That is not what he's saying. That is not the purpose. He is answering Judas's bogus argument. And we see that, that Mary was led by God to anoint Jesus in preparation for his death. Imagine this. The, the fragrant oil that she bought for her funeral was the very oil that she used to anoint Jesus in preparation for his funeral. Understand, this was a prophetic message. This was a sign. There was even to Jesus, you can imagine, as, as he is seeing Mary do this to his feet and anoint him, he and God are having to have a conversation about this. Of that beautiful smelling oil anointing his body. She senses that Jesus is going to die for the sins of the world, so she anoints him ahead of time. And Mary's actions we see that Jesus defends the selfless. And I want you to understand, when you do things that are selfless for the cause of Christ, He will defend you as well. Our selfless acts done in the name of God will be guaranteed by His defense. In the day and age where it is getting harder and harder to wear the badge of a Christian and to truly live it, it becomes harder to believe what you believe Understand that when you serve God, you have His defense as well. And then selfless living maintains Jesus as a priority. Folks, when Jesus responded to Judas' sarcastic comment, He meant that as long as this world is in existence, there will always be poor people. If you were to magically be able to, to give money to everyone that is poor and to make everybody maybe not well off, but at least not poor, the very next minute somebody would become poor again. There is always going to be poor. And that's what Jesus is saying here, that as long as we live in this fallen world, there will be people who are poor. But we are to help the poor. But more important, what Jesus is saying, that you can help the poor, but it's more important to spend time at my feet. Folks, I believe in mission trips. I believe in, in the food pantries and, and the things that we do. I am so grateful for what our mission, our WMU do, and, and will support that 100%. And folks, we could give every piece of food in Anderson away, but if we do not tell them about Jesus Christ, if we do not offer them the hope of Jesus Christ and allow people to come to the feet of Jesus and get forgiveness of their sins, we're doing the wrong thing. It's all about Jesus Christ. Our service should never be a substitute for sitting at His feet. 
So, I asked you in the beginning, how do you smell like Jesus? Well, you smell like Jesus by living selflessly. Meaning that you live coming from following Jesus with pure motives, like Mary. Living selflessly leads us to give Jesus our very best. And then finally, selfless living spreads the gospel. I want to share two quick verses with you. Matthew 26, 13 says, I assure you, whenever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be in memory of her. Of all the people that came to that dinner that night, Mary is the one that we're reading about. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God, who always put us on display in Christ, and through us spreads, here it goes, the aroma of the knowledge of Him in every place. As we leave the dinner table, as we leave Mary and Martha and Lazarus and Jesus, as we, as we go home to our homes, I want you to understand that at the end of that day, Jesus smelled like Mary's ointment. Right? We know that, right? And Mary was the one that used her hair to anoint Jesus' feet, right? So of all the people that were there that night, who smelled like Jesus? Mary, that's right. Mary did. If you want to smell like Jesus, you will give Him what is most precious to you. You will serve Him. You will love Him. And you will smell like Him. Let's pray. God, thank You for Your Word. And I know that there are many here today that are giving You all that they can. That's why they're here. I pray that they leave encouraged of knowing that their lives have the aroma of Jesus. But Lord, if there's any areas in our life where we can be more committed, that we can show love to others, that we can become more devoted to You, then show us that. There may be someone in here that doesn't know You as their Savior and Lord. And the weight of that sin and the stench of that sin has become more than they can bear. If you're here today and you want to know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, if you want to smell like Jesus, then you can come forward. I'll lead you in a prayer and we'll begin you on your journey of making Him a Savior and Lord. Maybe you just want to pray or come forward. This time is for you, Lord. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand? Thank you.